We've all had times in our life where we have not reflected the beauty and the love of Christ. Can I have an amen on that? And so today's message, we're going to talk about self-examination. And, and, and if you haven't read the chapter yet on self-examination, that's okay. We're jumping ahead. It's actually chapter 6. But today is the last day of June, so we're actually moving from, uh, not that we're moving from the book, but we're going to begin to preach messages on resolving conflict and dissonance in our relationships with God, in, in, in our relationships with our spouses, in our relationships with our kids. And, and we're going to begin to move in the month of July as a church, we're going to begin to work on our relationships and, and, and our, our relationship with God. Sometimes we actually have conflict in our thinking even towards God. And so when our, when our life does not line up with the Word of God and we begin to act silly like that, you really have to learn the rhythm of self-examination. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. And, uh, and we're going to have some great speakers. We have several guest speakers that are going to be with us in the month of July. Uh, we have some of our own internal speakers that are going to share. Jeff Julian's going to share on marriage and, and relationships. Uh, Brian Hughes is going to share on our emotional health and how we have to deal with some of the emotional junk that goes on the inside. And then Brian Wise, which is a buddy of mine, he's a pastor in northern Indiana. He's that big 6'8 guy that came here and talked about authority. Remember, he was here with us and he spoke on authority. And then the end of July, we're going to have Mark Goins, who is a... He's a counselor, he's a Christian, just a wonderful man of God. He actually last week met with Pastor Tom, a whole week with Pastor Tom in helping him walk through resolving dissonance in his relationship with God, with his spouse. Him and Michelle are going to go in the month of July and meet with him as well. But he's going to actually be with us the last two Sundays of July and bring some of that to us in helping us resolve conflict, bring unity in our marriages and all that kind of stuff. So we have a really some neat things in July that you don't want to miss. But I'm going to talk, I'm kind of going to set the stage for the month of July with this message on self-examination because I think it's something that as Christians we don't really do very well. I think we do self-condemnation really well. I think we beat ourselves up when we fall short of the glory of God. I think when we have a road rage experience like that, afterwards we go, oh crap, I should not have acted like that. So we're good at beating ourselves up when we fall short in some areas of our life. But I, I don't think God wants us to, to, to be in self-condemnation. I think he wants us to learn the rhythm and the resting in God in self-examination in a different way. And even in, as I've read the book, I've had to really even change my own rhythm of how I examine my heart. And so we're even going to, at the end of the, this message, we're actually going to go through just a practice session of what self-examination can look like because I believe God wants to teach us something today. How about that? Would you guys be open to kind of want, invite God into your heart? Invite God where we can present our whole self, the ugly and the good, it's not just that we present the ugly. There is something about celebrating how God has, has wired us, celebrate how God has made us sons and daughters. But there is this rhythm that I want to discuss today to help us move into preparing us for July as we resolve conflict in relationships. 
can, uh, and, and here's one thing I believe with all of my heart, and I, I just went through Victory Lane Camp as we were down all week serving uh, families with disabilities, and as I shared with the family that, that, that I was meeting with, every one of us have junk. Every one of us have dysfunction. Every one of us has a pit, uh, some darkness in us, even though we're born again. Even though we love Jesus with all of our hearts, every one of us have something in our lives that we need to present before God today, that we need to give to the Lord. And so that's what we're going to do today. Are you guys cool with that? So we're going to, um, um, I'm going I'm to give another example of the car scene. Just a couple weeks ago, I was at a family funeral, and... Um, when we're talking about our junk. And when I, I, when I got to the funeral, the person that died in the family was very, very young. They were in their early 50s. And um, it, they were married to one of my family members, so I do, I do not know their family real well. But um, one of the siblings come up to me and began to talk r- real quickly and just shared how, yeah, the, the other sister's not going to be here. We haven't seen her in 20 years. And wasn't even coming to her own sister's funeral. Yeah, we haven't seen her for 20 years. And you could feel the tension immediately. You could feel the unforgiveness. You could feel the bitterness. And it just sucked the very air out of the room. As she was focused on what? What she had done. And if we're going to move into self-examination, we have to realize that if we're going to move into unity and we're going to move into healing our relationships, we've got to realize that we have to not look at what others have done to us, but we have to get into a good place where we're self-examining our own heart and what we contribute to any relationships that may be broken. Because I don't know about you, 20 years away from my brother or my sister is not tolerable according to the word of God because we have been given the ministry of reconciliation and we're to reconcile our relationships. Can I have an amen? Amen. And the Bible does say as, as much as it depends upon you to live at peace with everyone, and I realize that there are some relationships you may never get to peace in on this side, right? But we are, we are commanded to work towards that but it requires healthy self-examination. It, it requires not blaming others, but it requires you to get into self-examination and self-reflection. And we just don't do a very good job of that. Our, our, our anchor scripture for today, if you have your Bibles, get them out. Your electronic Bibles. If you don't have that, you're going to see it on the screen. We're going to look at Psalms 139, and uh, we're going to begin to unpack this scripture, because David is the one who is writing this, and this is actually a song that David had written. I'm going to start at the end of the psalm, but I'm going to go back up to the beginning of the psalm here in a few minutes, but I want to start with really the anchor scripture of self-examination, and the book even talks about this in chapter 6. And I would even encourage you, though we're only on chapter 4 this week, you may want to go ahead and this week read chapter 6 while this is fresh in your heart. So reading from 139 verses 23 through 24, David says to God, he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
Anybody else have anxious thoughts in here? God, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I think this scripture, this is David's invitation to God. And that's what self-examination is. It's an invitation to open yourself up to God. It's a rhythm where I come by myself before my God, and David is giving this great example of how he is presenting himself to God, he, he, and he says, God, search me and try me. Know my anxious thoughts. And he is, it's an imitation for God to guide David in this self-examination process. I believe God wants to be a part of our self-examination process. Will you allow God to search you today and this week and begin to develop a rhythm in your life of self-examination? Will you allow him to know your heart? Will you allow him to test you and to know your anxious thoughts? Will you be like David? (laughs) Because we see David's desire and his vulnerability right here as he presents himself before God. So I want to kind of Let's imagine, if you will, for a moment, David was the king of Israel. David was a man after God's own heart. But David did a lot of sinning, didn't he? David committed adultery with Bathsheba. David made mistakes. David had her husband killed. Uh, He was a murderer. Uh, He manipulated the situation in order to get Bathsheba to be his wife. So there's a lot of things like you and I that we've done some pretty raunchy things. All of us have a past. But all of us, we are desiring God. We're desiring to be more like him, aren't we? And so just imagine this scripture, search me and try me. Imagine maybe it's when David was in the field with his sheep as he was a shepherd when he was younger. David was a musician. We remember that David, he played his harp before Saul, and when he played his harp, demonic spirits would leave Saul. Do you remember that? And so we know David was a musician. So imagine David in the field, maybe at battle, and he gets away from God and gets alone with God. Or maybe he's in the cave when Saul's pursuing him to kill him, and he's all alone in the cave, and he's got his harp, and I know they didn't have a paper journal. Maybe he had a a rock and a stone. I don't know what they wrote on back then. Maybe they had the, 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 the paper. I know they had the scrolls. But imagine David being alone with his God when he says this. Because that's what God's invitation is to us. As we've been practicing solitude, getting away from God, getting away with God, not away from God. Whew, we do that way too well. But as we've been practicing these rhythms, imagine David in that cave. Oh, God, search me and try me. Know all my anxious ways, God. You know me. Show me myself. It wasn't a prayer where God was going, hmm, yeah, I need to search you. David was actually echoing his desire to God. God, show me myself. Show me what's driving me. Show me if there's something in me that is not reflecting you. That's the invitation God is giving us with self-examination. It's an invitation 
to allow God to search us, to allow God to know the anxious thoughts, the stressors, the things that we go through, the anxiousness about bills or our relationships or the things that we have conflict in, that, that we, we bring those, our whole self before God and we get honest before God and we get real with who we are and we say, oh God, show me myself. Show me if there's anything offensive in me. I will admit, as I read this scripture over the last several weeks, and as I meditated it and I recited it, man, the tears that began to roll from my eyes, the emotions, the deep emotions that began to well up inside of me, of that is my heart, God. God, I desire to have nothing between you and I. I desire to live a life pure before you. I desire to bring my darkness, the things that I struggle with, and I desire, God, to bring them before you like David did. I desire this art of self-examination. God, I want to bring my whole self before you, but God, I have have to admit sometimes I'm afraid. Sometimes, God, I'm scared to show you what you already see, but I'm sometimes scared of myself. I don't like some of the things inside of me. How about you? And so the scripture kept just pouring over me. God, just yes, search me. God, show me the darkness. Show me what's inside of me that, God, you want to bring out. What area do you want to, God, begin to move and take and transcend all the darkness? And what do you want me, God, to present to you? And I know you are a good people. And I know you desire the same thing. I know you love your God and I know you love him and you desire that there be nothing between you and God. I know that's who you are. All of us have that desire. All of us have that desire to live pure before our God. And there is no one in here, if you love Jesus, that you want darkness in your life. There is no one who wants it. All of us desire to give God our full heart, don't we? God put that desire in you, and you can thank him for that. God put that desire in you to want to be like him. God put that desire in you to want to, 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 to wanna be better, to want to walk in excellency. To walk in his presence. Not perfection, not performance, but to walk in his presence. To be like him. He put that desire in you. Are you glad it's there? Yeah. We just need to cooperate with it more. You desire for God to search you. You desire for God to know you. You desire to let God love you even in your brokenness. You desire God to love you unconditionally. You desire to let God love you unconditionally. And you desire to allow God to show you who you really are as a son and a daughter. You desire to let God into those inner struggles, those inner dark places, those emotional places, those insecurities, those fears, those traumas. Those areas of brokenness where people have hurt you, where people have done things to you that really have caused damage on the inside of you. Where you don't trust people, where you don't let people in, where you live guarded. 
Am I speaking to anybody in this room? Or is it just me? The betrayals. The people walking out on your life. The people leaving. The people that have hurt you. All of us have darkness. But you desire his unconditional love. And if we are honest with ourselves this morning, we know we have broken places. But oftentimes we ignore the broken places and we avoid them because of shame. Because of the guilt that we heap on ourselves and because we're not rooted in something that I, where I want to go today. I want to read this quote out of the book that is powerful. Out of chapter 6, page 91, it says, Some of us have been so shaped by shame-based family or church systems that we resist entering into deeper levels of self-knowledge or self-examination for fear of feeling debilitated by shame or swept away by remorse. Our sense of worth is so fragile our sense of worth and value in, our, in many of our lives is so fragile or our perfectionism is so pronounced that we are not sure we can bear, can bear facing the truth of our own darkness without becoming totally unraveled. So what we do is because we are so scared of the darkness that's in us, what we do is the shame pushes us away from it and we don't even want to look at the darkness that is inside of us. Or we want to just claim the scripture, I'm redeemed and I'm loved and move on and not deal with the darkness that is actually there. Or we hide from it or we avoid it or we don't even sometimes even deal with the darkness or even present it to God. We just ask God to forgive us and move on. Has anybody ever done that? How's that working for you? We avoid darkness inside of us because of shame. And the way you deal with shame, many people deal with shame differently. Most people, when they have shame and guilt within them, they usually do the blame game. And they shift the blame from themselves to some other, search, some other situation, some other person. If you wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have acted that way. And we, 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 we shift the blame. Some families and some family systems in shame-based families, what families do is some families never take ownership of anything that they do. The father, the mother, they will just cast blame and they won't take responsibility for anything they've done wrong. And they just guilt everybody around them. And the lowest person on the totem pole usually gets blamed for it. Anybody been in that kind of a family before? I don't want to just diagnose the problem. I want to give us some help with that. Because we all have darkness in our lives. And many a times we try to hide it from God. We try to hide the darkness from others and we put on a face in front of people and act like everything's fine but all we're doing is we're trying to push the shame away because we feel so bad about it <clears throat> but really what we're fearing is we're fearing rejection 
Because you're dealing with shame, you're dealing with rejection. Because shame wants to tell you that there's something inherently wrong with you. And God says there's something amazingly right about you. <laughs> shame comes from the kingdom of darkness. Do not cooperate with it. Conviction is from God, and he is moving you into self-examination. So follow conviction because God is now wanting to take what he is convicting you of and he's now wanting you to have some solitude with him and to practice this thing of self-examination self and get alone with him. So, anybody want to experience some healthy stuff with God today? I have some good news for you. Self-examination is not about bringing your darkness to God and having, a, uh, and having a condemnation session. It's actually about having an honest conversation with the darkness that he brings up to you. The reason he's bringing it up to you, he just wants to help you. Okay? He wants to actually help you. He's not bringing it up to tell you you're a worm. He's not bringing up your darkness in order to tell you you're a, a, a failure. He's actually trying to help you. God is for you. He's not against you. Amen. So, God's not afraid of your darkness. Everybody say, God's not afraid of my darkness. He's not afraid of my selfish ambition. He's not afraid of my selfishness. He's not afraid of my sin. He's not afraid of my stupidity. He's not afraid of me being all about me. He just wants to help me. Do you believe that? So today, we're going to take our desire to be like God. We're going to bring our desire and our devotion and our love for God, and we're going to present some things to him today, and we're going to acknowledge what he's showing us today. We're going to name it. And we're going to deal with it. How many want to go for that process? Cool, cool. So let's read another psalm. This is still out of Psalm 139. It's the same psalm with David. Now, as I said earlier, I started at the end of the chapter with verses 23 and 24. Now this is in the middle of the chapter. So you got to realize that David wrote this before. So at the end, he's saying, God, search me and try me and know my ways. If there's anything dark in me, God, expose it. Now, what, but, but, but you got to realize that David, earlier in the chapter, really shows what he knows about God. And in this passage, David knows this about God. He says, if David says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me. Now, David's talking, <coughs> excuse me, about the darkness within him. Surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, God. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. What is David saying here? In verse 11, the darkness will hide me. David probably is not thinking of intentionally hiding his darkness from God. Would you agree? Rather, the Hebrew word there is choketh. In that word there, seems to indicate that David had some sort of peril or sin that would separate him from God. 
And so David knows God's love and says, my darkness will not be darkness to you, but you will bring light to my darkness as I bring it to you. Are you seeing that? David is convinced that the darkness that he has within his own heart is not going to stay dark and that God is not afraid of his darkness. God will actually take the darkness and bring his light to the darkness. That's what happens in many of our emotional healing sessions when we do here at the New Covenant. So many times there's a lie that's embedded in our soul and in our thinking, and God brings his light as we pray and as we get in his presence and really practice this. God all of a sudden brings truth into the self-examination process, and somebody is freed immediately. I can remember getting free in, 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 in my session uh, of rejection. I can remember getting that broken off of me, and it all stemmed back to lies that were perpetuated by the enemy in my life in childhood. Anybody want freedom? So self-examination is about bringing all of us to God Asking God to show us what is in us so we can allow him to bring his light to our darkness. Rather than avoid the darkness, rather than ignore the darkness, rather than act like it isn't there, rather than put the face on, and, and rather than having the conflict in our relationships, rather than never getting along with people or whatever the issue may be, or your anger or your rage or your jealousy. I mean, there are uh, all kinds of things that we could put in our list. The beautiful thing about God today is in, you'll need to have a piece of paper today because there's going to be things God highlights to you, but we're only going to deal with one. God is so good to deal with just one. So... Praise the Lord. So would you like to learn this rhythm of self-examination? Okay, good. I hope I've whet your appetite. I will give you a warning, though, and I mentioned it briefly at the beginning. This is about self-examination and not self-condemnation. Okay? This isn't about performance. This is about bringing our whole self before God today. This is not about beating yourself up. And getting under shame, it's about being honest with God today and naming our darkness to him and then seeking his freedom from that darkness. That's what self-examination is. So there's two things. If you're taking notes today, there's two things that you need today. Before we move into self-examination, there are two foundational legs to your walk that you have got to have, or you will slip into condemnation. So there's two things that you have to have practiced, memorize scriptures over, remind yourself all the time. And the first leg of that foundation is I have got to understand God's desire and his unconditional love for me. If your leg is not firmly planted in the unconditional love of God, 
that no matter what my behavior looks like, no matter what I'm messed up with or what's going on in my life, you have got to understand his unconditional love or you will slip into condemnation, shame, and guilt. And you won't deal with any of it. Matter of fact, you'll self-medicate. You'll self-medicate with gaming, bubble pop, marijuana, alcohol, illicit stuff that you don't need to have any form of communication with. Because when you start to feel condemnation, you want to comfort yourself. You want food. You want drugs. You want something to make you feel better about yourself. Is there any witnesses in this house? So I do not want you to get into shame. I do not want you to get into beating yourself up. You have got to have yourself fully surrendered and and rehearsing in your heart the unconditional love of God. Are you guys with me on that? Now, the way I do that and the way I, there are certain scriptures. Zephaniah 3.17 is a passage that I have memorized. It's one where he sings over me. He dances like a top with ravished emotions. That's not how it completely, that's my interpretation of the scripture of how he communicated to me. His thoughts about Eric Haler are amazing. He is really in love with this guy. God has actually danced with me. There's all kinds of things he's done in the spirit to reveal his love, his unconditional love to me. And those are the things I anchor my soul in. I anchor my mind in. I anchor my, myself in the word of God. And we're going to do that today. And what you have to do is you personally have to find a scripture. You have to find a scripture in the word of God that you go, yes, that communicates God's love to me. And memorize it, own it, recite it, live it, bring it in, recite it, practice it. Bring that rhythm of understanding the unconditional love of the Father. That's the one leg. You guys got that one written down? The unconditional love of God. The other thing that you have to anchor yourself to is your own desire and love for God. You have a passion. You have a desire for God. And you have got to remind yourself, no, that is not who I am. I love God and I want his ways. I want the plumb line of his word to come upon my life. And I want my life to move towards him. My desires, I want my ways to move towards his ways. I want my desires to move towards his desires. My will to be conformed to his will. His word to become active and living in my life. My desire for God, my love and devotion for God is the other leg. So it's the double D. I shouldn't say double D. It's two Ds. God's desire and my desire for God. Dang, I told myself I wouldn't do that. You have to have these two desires. And you have to realize God has originated the desire. And you have to have your desire, and you have to know God's desire for you. And that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you're not a mistake. That you, mama and daddy, may not have planned you, but there is a God in heaven who planned you. My mama and dad didn't think they could afford me. And they have told me, dear God, I'm glad God knew we could afford you. Because finances was in the way of them wanting and desiring another child. But God had a plan for Eric Haler. There were 1.3 million eggs in my mama's ovaries that were in in her ovaries. And God chose me to pass through and to be fertilized. And he said yes to me. 
Anybody excited about that? And that's what he told me. And I know that's a little biography or biology here. But God does that with me with laughter, and he makes, that's what he shows me. And you got to have your own experience with God. You have to go to God and say, God, I'm not settled with this unconditional love. I think you're ready to beat me. I think you're ready to uh, put me on the, the shooting range and say, I'm done with you. I'm sick of you. I'm tired of you sinning. And that's what I used to think. Anybody else used to think that? And guess what? According to the Bible, the Bible says that the accuser doesn't quit telling you that. The Bible says the enemy, Satan, is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and that he accuses the brethren day and night, accusing you of your past and accusing you of who you're not. Is that not what he did to Adam and Eve, accusing them? Oh, God doesn't want you to be like him when they were already created in the image of God. You are wonderfully made by God, and so your feet have to be planted in those two truths, those two desires, those two Ds, God's desire and my desire. We desire God, don't we? If you get foot, your foot, if you get your feet settled in those things, you won't move into condemnation. You won't move into this beating yourself up because you're practicing the presence of God. You're practicing the word of God. You're practicing his love for you. You're practicing your own devotion. You're reminding yourself when you just did what you didn't want to do and you want to beat yourself you go up, you go, no, I desire the living God. That is not who I am. I am beloved. I am loved by him. Satan, shut your trap. You're going down. You're not going to remind me that is not my desire. My desire is to do the will of the Father. My desire is to love him. My desire is to be devoted to God. My desire is to push the acts of the flesh away and to be in the presence of Almighty God. Is that your desire? Say amen. amen. So you have to have those two things rooted. And here's how David did it. In this passage in Psalms 139, it is not advancing for some reason, guys. Nathan, there you go. Thanks for advancing it for me. So we go up a little further now, and we see David, as he writes this psalm, he see, we see that his feet are, are, are firmly planted in the love of God. Look at this. David says, For you created my inmost being, God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. There's that ovary test. 1.3 million eggs. And you decided me, David says. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. See how David is celebrating the goodness of God and how God has seen him. I know that full well. Everybody say, I know that full well. I know your love full well. <laughs> My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes, God, saw my what? Unformed. I did not exist, church. I was in the eyes of God before I was even thought of by mommy and daddy. I was made in that secret place because your eyes saw my unformed body. 
all the days ordained for me were written in your book when before one of them came to be. That my name was written in God's book. Eric Haler, Linda, Shelley, Alex, Dory, Michael, Abraham, Rebecca, all of you, your name was written in his book. David knew the love of God. He knew he was in the plan of God. And then he goes on, he says, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of your thoughts were I to count them. They would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You think David knew God's love? It's that love for God that David had that came from God. David's desire for God came from God. David desired God. God desired David. It's a beautiful dance. David celebrates God's love and faithfulness to him in these passages. Before he prays the self-examination prayer, this is what David meditates in this song about. About God's faithfulness, about God's love, about God, who God says he is. He, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm actually something great. Not a dirt bag and not a worm. David sees that his design and desire for God, he sees his uniqueness. He sees that God has many thoughts and emotions and desires for him. And you know what? It takes time to practice and to recognize the unconditional love God has for us. It really takes practice. It takes meditation. It takes memorization. It takes getting the word of God inside of you on how God really sees us because the church has really done a good job of being judgmental and condemning. We have been very good at a shamed base faith and guilting people into performance rather than loving people into God's presence. That's why the presence of God is so important to us in worship. We want to cultivate the presence of God because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not his judgment. So we must practice this unconditional love before we bring our weaknesses to God, just like David did. Once you are secured in his desire for you, and his unconditional love, then you can be vulnerable with God and you can explore with him your tendency to sin and do things your way. Does that make sense? So the rhythm of self-examination is where you then take the time to be alone with God as you've secured yourself in the two desires of desiring God and his desire for you. And then you begin to ask God and have a humble conversation with God for him to show you your broken places so that you can reflect them and ask him questions about it. Does that make sense? 
So self-examination is this humble, prayerful, clear-minded assessment of ourselves as we bring ourselves before God to appraise our behaviors, to appraise our beliefs, and even to appraise our motivations. Not to condemn us. Aren't you glad he's not condemning you? Is anybody glad that he's not condemning you? So once we are secured in his love, we can do this. Once we're secured in our own love for God and our own desire for him, we can do this and we won't fall into condemnation. So, some do this rhythm of self-examination weekly where they weekly become before God and they sit before God, they begin to to bathe themselves in the love of God, has his desire for them and their own desire, and then they begin to bring their self before God. I often do this, and, and, and I'm, I'm in this process of discovering how often I'm going to do the self-examination process. In the past, the way the self-examination process has happened for me is when something has happened. Maybe there's a conflict in a relationship. Maybe there is heavy stress or pressure or feeling like failure or whatever is going on in my life. And so what I'll do is I will then take those feelings and emotions and go, I will then set time aside for God and I will then secure myself in his love. I will secure myself in my love and devotion for him and then I will bring that before him. And I will begin to ask God, what is my part? What is my, what's going on in me that helped to bring that conflict. I don't go, God, will you just get them a clear mind? God, I don't know what, what their problem is, but man, would you just break that, this off of them? And would you break that off of them? And would you, would you just get their attention? And would you just wake them up? I'm now in shame. I'm now in blame. I'm not taking any responsibility for the brokenness. This is why this, this message is so critical as we move into July. If we're going to resolve marriage conflict, if we're going to re resolve conflict in our, in our children's relationships, I love what Tom's doing. Uh, he is having a week alone with his wife, with this spiritual director, Mark Goins, and he is resolving conflict with his marriage. He's, he's asking God to, to show him the part that he plays. Because Pastor Tom will admit, man, I'm always blaming her. I need to look at myself. I need to find out what's going on in me. He's going to have a time with his boys where he says, how can I be a better dad? How can I, what can I do? Where, where, do, I, where do I mess up with you? That's the self-examination. Don't go into what the other person has done. Say, God, test me and show me my heart. God, what is it? Is there anything dark in me? And what's the, the, the phrase we always say? It takes two to, to tango. I'm not responsible for my wife's part. She is. I'm responsible for mine. So I bring my whole self before God. And I say, God, I don't want there to be anything between you and I. I don't want to reflect the world. I want to reflect you. Search me. Show me my part, God. What are you trying to show me? That is so beautiful. 
Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Would you ask the Spirit of God, is there anything you're protecting yourself with? What is the Spirit of God wanting to deal with you on right now? Is there an area you may be blind to? Usually everybody else sees it before you do. And people are saying it and saying it and saying it. And you're just not getting it and getting it and getting it. Where does your life not reflect the beauty of Christ? Get a hold of something. Because what I want to do is I want us to stay with our eyes closed and I want to move through a short example of the self-examination process with something that the Spirit of God is dealing with you right now. It can be jealousy. It can be pride. It can be fear. It can be lust. It can be a sin. It can be like this guy where you just never let anybody in. You don't trust anybody. It may be rejection. You always feel rejected. You always feel like nobody loves you. You always feel like no one's there for you. I'm just going to assume right now that you have your thing in focus. But now what I want you to do is I, I just want you to in, keep your eyes closed. I want us to stay connected with the Lord right now in this self-examination process. I want you right now, just put that thing on your lap for, for now. Whatever it is, just... Set it on your lap. And now what I want you to do is I want you to work your left leg and I want, you to, I want you to begin to think about God and how much he loves you right now. Just ask him, God, how much do you love me? Listen, maybe crawl up on his lap. I don't know what it is. Go someplace with God right now and begin to anchor yourself in silence with God and allow God to tell you right now how much he loves you. Maybe it's a scripture, but first focus on his love for you. Just ask him, how much do you love me, God? Help me to hear your voice. Hear the Lord say, I formed you. I wanted you. I desire to be with you. God says, I enjoy you. God says, the darkness in your life does not scare me. I love you unconditionally, my son and my daughter. Feel his love. And if you can't get there with his love, don't beat yourself up.
You just need to take some time to, to get in the Word of God and how God feels about you. And you need to begin to practice it. Or you're going to need to ask for help. And we're here to help you if you can't get and you can't hear God's tender love and affection for you. But right now, I want you to move to give him thanks. Right now, just begin to thank God for loving you. Just tell him quietly, whisper it to him, thank you for loving me, God. Thank him for being with you every day. Thank him for being with you even when you're disobedient. Say, God, thank you for being with me and loving me even when I disobey. Even when I'm angry. Father, I just thank you that you never leave us. And you're always present with us to help us. Thank you, God, for your love and your desire for us. And Lord, now just tell him your desire for him. Say, Lord, I love you and I desire to follow you. I desire to do it your way. I desire to, to follow you. So we've anchored ourselves in his love and we've anchored ourselves in his desire and our desire for him. Now, we've already allowed the Lord to search us after that video, but now just say, search me, God. Say, God, know my heart. Lord, would you test me right now? Would you, would you show me my anxious thoughts? Lord, is there anything Lord, is there any offensive way in me? What do you want to show me? God, I invite you to search me. I invite you to know me. I invite you into my heart where I have darkness. I invite you into my behaviors. I invite you into my actions. I invite you into my attitudes. I invite you into the words I've spoken, the anger I've released or the moments where I've fallen short of your glory. Begin to reflect and just say, God, what's going on in me? What's driving that jealousy? What's driving that envy? What's driving that behavior? God, show me into my own heart. I don't want it there. Get real with God. Tell him you don't want it there. Ask him what he's trying to show you. Bring your darkness to your God. Take it up off of your lap now and bring your darkness to God. And now begin to confess it as sin. Be specific, name it. Say, God, I confess my jealousy. I confess my pride. I confess my selfishness. I confess my anger. I confess my pride. Confess it, name it. Name it right now before God.
John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. So now you've confessed it. You've taken it from your lap. You've presented it before him. You've confessed it before him. Now just ask him to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you. Just ask him to forgive you and cleanse you right now. Ask him for the cleansing power to break that stronghold, to break that sin or that behavior. And just pause and ask him what he's trying to show you. confessed it you've asked him to forgive you now ask the Lord is there anything that you want me to do is there anything I need to do to make restitution if I've hurt someone is there anything God you want me to do if I've I've caused an offense to someone what do you want me to do to make this sin or this behavior right? How do you want me to clean my mess up? If you've lied or stolen, maybe he needs you to make restitution. If you've hurt someone, maybe you need to go to that person and say, I see that my fear or my jealousy or my anxiety was driving me and it caused me to hurt you and to say things that I should never have said. Will you forgive me for what I've said? I have stolen trust from you. I have hurt you and I've hurt our relationship. Will you forgive me? Forgive me for always needing to be right. Forgive me for making you feel stupid. Forgive me for not being considerate of your needs. Is there something the Spirit of God wants you to do Tell him you're willing to take any step he wants you to take to make things right. But you need to ask him, as we're quiet before him, is there anything you want me to do? Now let's be quiet and listen. Now there's one final step in the self-examination process. And it's a step I've left out often in my life. And that's that you get to tell a spiritual friend. 
that actually you need to confess that to a friend so that that friend can hold you accountable. The Bible says in James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So there is a biblical precedence about confessing things to one another. It just needs to be a spiritual friend. And it's not the friend where you go, you're trying to get them on your side. No, no, this is what I've done. This is where I'm falling short. And I just am sharing this with you so that you can help hold me accountable. You have the freedom to ask me, how am I doing with that? How am I treating my wife? How am I doing in this relationship? Or how am I doing with jealousy? Or how am I doing with pride? Or how am I doing with being critical? Critical was the one our family really struggled with. And criticalness is always tied to pride and fear as well. If you're struggling with being critical, you're struggling with pride and you're struggling with fear. Does this help anybody? You guys are quiet. I know God's dealing with us. Well, Father, I thank you that, Lord, you're leading this church into healthy self-examination. This is just a small example, God, of many, many ways we can do self-examination. Father, I thank you for the example that David set for us in Psalms 139. To come before you to sit at your feet and to bring our darkness to you. Father, I know we're not all set free completely today, but God... We do bring ourselves before you today. And Father, we ask that you would heal our relationships as we move into July. God, I pray that you would begin to deal with our hearts on the part that we play. That God, you would begin to do what we cannot do for ourselves. Father, all freedom and deliverance comes from you. And Father, I pray that you would begin to soften our hearts. I pray, God, that you would bring down our pride and the hardness of our hearts. That we would, God, remove the shifting of blame and the, the crucifying of people in our thoughts. And Father, that we would turn to healthy self-examination of bringing our full self to you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Lord, we want to reflect you. We want to be a people who reflect your glory so that, God, we can become salt and light to this community. Father, we desire to see the lost brought into your kingdom. We desire for the people around us, God, to know you, to know this kind of unconditional love. But, God, you're working on us to become that. And so, God, I pray over the next month, God, that you would begin to do a work in our hearts. You're doing something, God. Unify us, God. Get us together in this journey. Help us not to be critical, God, but help us to focus on you and what you're speaking to us. Father, we love you. We are devoted to you. Our desire is locked into you, God. We love you. And God, we thank you that your desire for us and your unconditional love is unwavering. God, lead us into this week, God, we ask. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray.